All right. Welcome to Double Barrel Non-Duality number eight, maybe. I don't know how far we've gone, but we've we've done a good number. Um, so we just do Q&A and you can check out your experiences. You can ask specific questions. It can be about anything, but typically it's about awakening of some in some way or another about insight, shifts in identity, about practices or non-practices, emotion work. Um, and today, if you're interested also in talking about the practicalities of life, more about your own journey in the in the relative sense and how that relates to the absolute and to this awakening journey. Um, we have a guest who will be able to address that for you. His name is Eric. You want to say hi? Hi. Hello. Hello. This is is this thing on? Yeah. <laughs> oh, there we go. There we go. Oh my God! He's got the wizard hat. I love. There it. we go. Okay. Cool. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> Ask and you shall receive, my friend. <laughs> We were joking earlier. I said, are you ready? About an hour and a half ago. He said, well, I, I actually just dropped some acid, but I'm not sure. You know, he's like, you know what? I'll do it anyway. And I said, just wear a wizard's hat. <laughs> oh my gosh. For the record, I did not drop any acid. Yeah. I did, <laughs> but I did no, wear the no. wizard's hat. <laughs> we joke about all kinds of stuff. So um, this is Eric Ireland. He, uh, you know, I invited him because this gentleman, we, we, I did an interview with him and he had a very profound awakening a while back and it's just gone deeper and deeper, but also he's just such a, he's such a pragmatic guy. Um, but he's also living his dream in, in the relative sense. And that was already happening before this awakening. Um, but he's, he's just, you're just so human. I don't know how else to say it. Just such a, just a good human being, you know, the kind of guy you just love being around and I've been around him. Um, but he also has deep insight and he has a lot of wisdom and I just know y'all are going to get a lot out of, uh, bouncing stuff off of both of us. So because we have a lot of people and we have relatively limited time, let's get, let's get started. So just put your hand up, you raise your hand by, um, going to the bottom. There's this thing called reactions on the bottom of your screen. There's a little thing that says, raise your hand. Uh, and that will put your hand up and I'll just call on somebody. So first we have Kelly do oh my gosh her last name looks so much like mine and i see it on comments and i'm like yes am i related to you okay i know i know <laughs> i was like if you just spell it slightly differently okay so i'll just jump right in and um, this is my first time interacting with you in this group and um i've had a long kind of journey of my own sort of psycho spiritual consciousness exploration um <sighs> I, I think I was in kind of my version of non-duality genre and I got caught up in like when I would go and try to meet the fear and the feelings, I would be adding a lot of thought content to it. And it felt like I I thought I was making progress and maybe on some level I was, but I was really just like immersed in complicated thoughts on top of feeling the feelings. So what happened is a new thing came in called the three principles, which is its own kind of lineage, and they really show hey, we're always perceiving life through our filtered layered thoughts. It's, it has its own kind of magic lineage, right? But it actually really like came in deeply and I, it brought me to new heights and I saw things and activated a wisdom. And, um, but there was something that started happening where I felt like there was something missing, which I would call like embodiment direction. Mm -hmm. And so I think it opened up stuff enough where I can feel like, oh, I want to feel my body more now. I want to feel those feelings, right? But this is where it gets a little tricky is like the pathless path, <laughs> like it'll, 
open up these amazing worlds and then suddenly I'm dropped out of that and I'm in nowhere. And, and then now like today I'm in the fear because there's a fear is kind of an interesting thing. It's like, I'm wanting to feel the body and I am feeling the body more, but the fear is kind of like, where's my high? It's like, I've lowered, I'm low. I've lowered my vibration. I'm not into talking like that, but I've just, I am kind of in a lower vibration or whatever you want to call that. And I definitely feel that sense of presence. I feel the pathless path, whatever that is. I can't even talk about what that is, but I feel a lot of fear Mm -hmm. and I just like, there's confusion and yet there is, and even on the relative level of what's playing out, there's a sense of clarity about that, but there's these doubt constructs and there's confusion constructs and there's just like, um, it's hard to trust this moment and yet it is trusting this moment. So I think, I don't know, is that a good explanation? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Um, hey, Eric, you want to give it a shot and I'll give it a shot? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, for me, I get exactly what you're saying. Um, there are these times where life just kind of feels like it pulled the rug, like you were on a magic carpet ride. And then yeah. all of a sudden the carpet has is landed and it's gone. And you're like, why am I just here in the mud now? I was on a carpet ride. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I do think that your natural instinctual inclination here to be with that is the, that's the way I go there. I go to, okay, I, I want to be with the senses right now. It's difficult because I've got all these thoughts going on about where did my magic carpet ride go? How is this even the right thing? But here's the thing is that, and this is something Angelo has said to me more than once. So I'm just going to, I'll just jump in with a little Angelo right now is that once you're in this, you're in it. You're on your hero's journey to answering the question, who am I? So at times like this, what I like to do is remind myself that this is a part of that, even when it doesn't feel like it, especially when it doesn't feel like it, when it's just turned a corner and it's going somewhere that feels like worse than it used to before awakening or, you know, just like, okay, you can know in a deep sense when you go for me, when I go into those senses, that's when I'm reminded. And it isn't always immediate, you know, like it's not something that that I can fix anyway and get back to the magic carpet or back to feeling good, but I can be with those feelings. And when they arise with thoughts, try to get into that gap between them. And being in that gap lets the thoughts move off on their own, lets the feelings pass just like, feelings do just like thoughts do. And so it's kind of just, and that gap comes from, for me anyway, being with the senses. Can we talk about the gap a little, like open that up a little bit? Um, Sure. Uh, Yeah. Um, You know, when, when thoughts arise, they usually arise with feelings at, at times like this, you know, a lot of times thoughts are just bubbling up and there's no feelings attached to them. But when we're really like in it, it's a thought and a feeling and they feel like the same thing and it's a mess yep. and they feel like there's no room between them. But when we can get into the senses, 
we can start to be with those senses and all of a sudden a tiny gap is is available and then once they're kind of like from this is my experience anyway once they're there's a little distance between the thought and the feeling they don't have the ability to interact in that way that just keeps them which is like mind yeah. identification right that is how mind identification works it's thoughts grab feelings and they just like fight with each other and when you can kind of like just go oh i have this feeling which i can get at through my senses because that feeling is actually in my body and I have this thought, which I can get at through my consciousness and just not allow the contents of it to concern me, but just go, oh yeah, that's the thought part. That's thoughts thinking, not my thought, just the thought, bye. And then you can be with the sensation and the whole apparatus starts to get more simple. Okay, this is amazing. Um, so with the sensation, the feeling, um, it's foreign territory, it's new and foreign or something to, right? Um, but yeah, I feel things moving me there. So if I were to like, I feel what the direction you're saying, what I hear is like, do some experimentation, explore their in, like just freaking rudimentary feeling, like just freaking feel and then experiment feeling notice thoughts just come to the pure feeling um and i think there's this the wisdom that is telling me like it's new territory so anything that's new you kind of need to just like trial and error stick your foot in like that's right and that's that's something that, that this whole hero's journey model of approaching life that that i've been kind of working with for last while now is is about that it's about that addressing the new because what a hero's journey takes us on is an initiation and that's always a beginning some kind of new beginning that's what initiation means right so when there's that time of new beginning you know what part of the hero's journey you're on you're in you're headed for the dragon's cave and that's where our shadow starts to come out and like all like the big guns, you know, like this is where where thoughts and mind identification and ego really start to try to defend themselves. And and they're like the ego is kind of like a dragon, right? It's laying on this pile of gold that it can't use. Yeah. It's laying on this identity that it can't use, but it's defending it like it owns it, you know. And so when we when we're coming up to that cave, when we know that there's transformation coming in life like you do you know you're on this path you know transformation's coming it it it's not unusual to just get the full court press from fear and all that and the way in to all of that to to those sensations to what you're looking for is through one knowing that that's just transformation that's how transformation is that's great you have the support which is amazing for getting through transformation you're here right so and then it's about feeling it and being there with your shadow and one of the best things for that is a little self-compassion you know any kind of self-compassion mm -hmm. practice that you can do where you can just be good to you right now because those thoughts are are trying to 
scare you to get you to go back, but you couldn't go back if you wanted to, but you can't explain this to those thoughts. So you just have to let them go. You know, is there a way you can baby step? I feel like I'm being, sh I feel like I can baby step this, even though it's scary as hell, all yeah. hell at times. Sure. I still feel like I can baby step that. Is that delusional or? No, you can baby step it. And I think self-compassion is the first baby step is to get into a place of being compassionate towards yourself. And if that doesn't come naturally, an easy hack for that is to, to get into a, a place where you're feeling compassion for something you naturally feel compassion for, like a loved one or an animal or something like that. And then move that, that mm -hmm. attention, that compassionate attention, that compassionate awareness to yourself after. And that's going to start to open up a little glimpse into those into the shadow. And what's fun about this is when we start to look into the shadow like that, we're able to see the full spectrum of what's in the shadow, which isn't just all the oh my god, this thing I did when I was five was so embarrassing, I could die. It's the I didn't know I had this potential for greatness that scared me so much, I hid it from myself. And self-compassion will allow you to start moving towards that. Yeah, when you said the self-compassion, recently I was, I've got, I used to do inner child stuff and I had some ban, or I made some movement with that, but I've been out of touch with that. And I was almost like, is that what I need to do? Like, I just felt out of practice with like. Simpler than that. Simpler than that. Okay. Yeah, it's simpler than that. You could you can literally go to Insight Timer and you know find some self compassion and okay. you know, meditations. Yeah. Okay. And there's science behind this. This this works even without you know like awakening or any of that in the mix. Self compassion will help to ease the kind of uh, okay. you know the just the dis ease that you're feeling. Self compassion will will very quickly start to 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 let that ease. Yeah. So, okay, cool. Oh man, that was so good. I have nothing to add. <laughs> it was so good. I was like almost in tears, Eric. That was wonderful. Um, I do actually do have something to add. Very simple. You said uh, baby steps, or one other thing that just came to me to say to you was when you were talking about the direct sensation of the experience. Um, you know, that does open the gap. Find it. If you lay down on the floor, you touch something, walk in nature feel the body, feel the feet touching the ground. Once your attention is there in the body sensations, um, a couple things you can do, you can just play with this, is you can just ask, uh, is there anything needed right now beyond this? Beyond just feeling the- Just the sensation. Is there anything else needed beyond this right now? Or you can also ask, it's kind of a converse, but it's asking the same thing. Is there anything, is there anything about this experience? And you're referencing the sensations, not the thoughts necessarily. Those okay. can be there but we're yeah. not, that's not what we're referencing. We're referencing the sensations. And, and you can also ask, um, is there anything that's, that's actually not okay about this right now? And look for any evidence, you know? And sometimes that just brings you to this sort of equilibrium, this neutrality or this equanimity. And then that, that can open those gaps. That can start to, you know, just get you right there in the, in the physical sensation presence rather than the consciousness presence. Right. And so that there's a spectrum from the sensation then to the thought, like, so there is some sort of d divine, like, um, I don't know what the word is, truth and just sensation. It, it links to this other place. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
And it's, you don't, we don't want to be heavy handed, like forcing anything. It doesn't feel like control. It feels like actually letting the sensation speak in, speak in its own language, which is the texture of experiencing only. See, that's, yeah, that's the unfamiliar, the new, okay. Yeah, it'll teach you. You got to let it teach you. I can't teach you. Yeah. Not okay. in words. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Great question. Um, let's go to Bernd. Hey, everybody. Um, uh, a little bit hard to follow. I have a pretty mundane question. When, uh, can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you just fine. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, what you said in the beginning about what to do in the relative. It's like, I'm, I think I want to write like fiction and I think I have a talent for it. And I actually wrote some stuff in the, in the past. <clears throat> actually wrote, wrote a little book but now i can't bring myself to sit down and write and i have no inkling where i could even start to work with it um in the last week or something i i commented it on i commented on it when i i, I think i sometimes come into contact with that thing that just says no to everything and just when I think about sitting down at my desk and opening up the word processor, it's just this big no, it's just this big blank no, where I can't even start to understand where it comes from. So it's really hard for me. How, how would I even work with it when I have no, no uh, idea where it's, where this aversion stems from. And what is interesting to me is when I was in the queue, I asked questions here before and I was never nervous. And I felt that I'm nervous and I think I'm nervous because even saying that struggle I have with writing to anyone is making me nervous. It's not speaking with you or to speak to 50 people. It's speaking about the thing that I think, and, and, and it's like, I don't know, and then it's this whole mind stuff. It's like, I think I want to write, but then it's like, yeah, but which part of me wants to write? Does my ego want to write? Or uh, uh, is it like my purpose in life? Or I have absolutely no idea. And then I reread today something Adi Ashanti said about control. And maybe that could be a thing that if I write something and I put it out there, I have to totally let go of control. It's like I created it, I put it out there, and then people can do whatever. I have no control over it anymore whatsoever. And it's funny because I wrote a little book with three stories in there for a contest, and I'm not promoting it at all. I barely told my family and friends that I wrote it. So, yeah, that's where I'm totally hung up. And I, I, I have the intuition that it is something to do with this whole awake, awakening stuff. But I'm totally lost. I really have no idea where to go from here or what practice to do or whatever. I bet Eric no has idea. a lot, a lot to say for you. That's my guess. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I have been here, Bernd. Yeah, very, very much. I've been here. Um, I want to ask you something. Have you found other parts of your life where you've run up against like resistance? Yeah, and romance stuff. Probably, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So 
when when this happened for me, I um, I was it was around childhood trauma. You know, like I knew that I had been through, I was learning a lot about trauma at the time. I was going through my own, just like, how do I get to the root of these? I can't do the things I want to do in life. Um, and I knew because, you know, like my, my birth lasted for 36 hours and involved four step forceps and all kinds of things that finally ended up being a cesarean section. And this was in the sixties. And things like this were pretty brutal. I came out black and blue. I know for a fact, I'm pro- pro- probably had all kinds of trauma about that. And it was driving me crazy because I'm like, how do I deal with trauma about something I don't even remember, but I know I have. Mm-hmm. I'm trapped. I am trapped in my own trauma. And this is the kind of trauma that people can't fix because I can't even remember it. So yeah. how am I going to go to therapy and tell somebody about that? And yeah, I was, so, so, okay, can I interrupt I, you? Actually, sure. I, I, ca- I came to this point with my therapist that she also said that probably I got traumatized before even my conceptual mind was yeah. built. Probably you did. We all did. Birth yeah, is but, but how, for all of but us. Exa- exactly what you're saying. How can I grab that conceptually when it happened before I had right, the ability right, for concepts? Exactly. Here's the good news. You don't have to. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. And this That's isn't just, this isn't from me. Um, the, I was lucky enough to have this conversation that you're having with Angelo and I with Gabor Mate in, mm-hmm. a, in a Zoom where I was like, okay, look, Doc, I have got this thing. And he's like, um, all you need to do is look at the, the what's there now and, and work with that because that is what the trauma is. The trauma isn't what happened. That's gone. That's many years yeah. in the past. That's not real. That's just your thoughts about it. Um, and so I realized that my thoughts about it were just part of the resistance pattern that was cementing itself in place by my yeah. my thoughts about my inability to deal with it. Like this is this is when what I was talking about earlier, this is when resistance is really doubling down. The real key for me was seeing that resistance wasn't a problem. Resistance was, it wasn't a bug, it was a feature. It was a part of what I had been using all through childhood to define myself and protect myself. I just had never quite grown out of it. And so I was used to using it as an adult to keep these feelings of being not good enough, not able to do what I needed to do in life. Um, I would use the resistance as the reason I couldn't, you know, Mm -hmm. there was this, these, it was the, and it was, again, it's the feelings and the thoughts. And with resistance, these two get merged so tightly that it becomes like a, it's just, it's it's so confusing, it's hard to even see. Yeah, exactly. I freeze up. Oh. A little back. bit, yeah, but you are back, yeah. Okay, all right. Um, the, the same thing applies here is with resistance is getting into that, place between those thoughts and those feelings so that you can have a little perspective mm-hmm. on what what it is and when you can be with it 
then Angelo's advice earlier to just go to the feeling, go deep into it, is going to take you there. And it's going to let you see what that, that thing is, what that belief is underneath. But, but what you need to do is just get enough distance from those thoughts that the resistance is. And that, that, for me, that was all about accepting that, oh, those thoughts actually aren't me fighting against me. Those thoughts are my mind and my conditioning trying mm -hmm. to protect me from things I needed protection from when I was younger. And okay. so, you know, I think that you don't need to know. I didn't need to find out. I, I never remembered what actually happened at my birth, but that trauma is no longer with me. And that, that uh, paralyzing fear that was keeping me from my dream was gone when I got into those feelings and into seeing, oh, okay, this, for me, it was, it was the case I was talking about earlier. I had this, and it may be that for you with being a writer, that may be your real dream, like what your authentic self wants to express itself as. And it's just, you know, like it's, sucks because our resistance goes hardest after that because that is has the potential to be very difficult be very emotional be very vulnerable and that's what our resistance is protecting us from those things so we can't, we're kind of our own worst enemy at, at this time right but when we can start to say oh okay i get it resistance that's cute you're doing that but i'm going to look deeper here and see what this is about i found that my greatest potential was actually something that I could start working on and working toward. And, and that work didn't even feel like work anymore. Mm. Never worked so hard in my life, but I, I don't feel like I want the work to end. I feel like mm -hmm. I want more of this work. And I don't know, you may find that same thing with your writing. I would encourage you to go as deep as you can into it though, before you give up on your writing. Don't yeah. let the resistance kill your writing. Yeah, just to summarize. So, so can we say that if writing is an expression of my authentic self or true self or whatever, that is why the resistance is so strong there? Yes, exactly. Uh, I, would, I would actually say that I'm, it sounds to me like because of all the resistance, writing is definitely enough okay of your authentic self like it's so almost it's like, like a confirmation an you know, indicator like evidence okay. you know okay cool and just a one less practical thing would it make sense to just sit on the desk open up the writing thing and then see what's cut without the intention to even write but just to trigger it but because that's yeah. like sure yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that sounds like a great idea. That okay. way you'll get, you'll get it hot and heavy. You'll be right there with it. Exactly, um, yeah. Okay. And maybe try writing to the resistance. Ah. You know, address okay. the resistance from okay. your authentic self. Say, hey, let's, let's talk about this. Because mm -hmm. writing is a great way to do shadow work. And shadow mm -hmm. work is a great way to ease resistance and get to authenticity. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Cool. That was so good. I don't have a lot to add. Um, 
I, I guess I, I, my sense is to just uh, definitely echo what Eric said is like, you know, don't give up on it because of resistance and that there's something to see here, which is great. Right. Mm -hmm. And it may be, it probably is bigger than, than just the vocation issue. It's, it's a personal thing and it's an identity thing and all of it. And it could be very trans transformative to even break through this, but there's something there that's calling you. It's like, Hey, look here, yeah, look yeah. here, look here, which is great. Um, I will tell you it's in the emotion spectrum almost certainly it's some it's it's simple everything in the emotion spectrum as i was saying earlier is simple it's not complex it's not complicated there's you don't have to you know analyze anything it's it's really feeling into it and just just being patient but kind of vigilant about what is it really mm -hmm. here and, and you can you can make it as simple as what am i afraid of really what am i really really afraid of and you may get an answer. You already have a, a sort of answer, as you said. You know, I, I won't be in control once it's out there. And those are that's great. But keep going deeper. Like, well, what? Why does that mm -hmm. matter? What am I? What am I afraid of? If I if a work of of something I created is out there and it's just out there by itself, and I have no control over who reads it or what they say about it. Oh, oh, I'm afraid of criticism, maybe because that I can't. Mm -hmm. You know, who know who knows what it is, but. And you can just keep yeah. going. Well, why, why am I afraid of criticism? What, what does that mean to me? Oh man, my dad used to be so critical of me. And these are examples. But if you just yeah. stay with the emotion kind of inquiry and just be simple about it and just ask the question, just feel and wait. Sometimes wait, you have to be patient. Maybe it might come in two days, but it'll come if you really want to see the answer. It will okay. come to you. Um, so that, that's pretty much what I what I have to add. Cool. Thanks Good a lot. Luck. Thank you. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Uh, next we have uh, Marcy. Yeah, it's Marcy. Marcy, hi. Hi. Oh, um, really good to talk to you, Angelo. I mean, really good. I, I'm, I'm floored that this is available. I mean, that I can just sit here and like talk to talk to you. It, uh, you know, th there's so much truth coming from you and everything that you're doing, your book. And so I'm just like this opportunity. And so I wanted to say, I've been doing, watching a lot of videos and so forth. And one of the things I realized was I have, I've been to a couple of these things and too afraid to raise my hand. I did the first time, but anyway, the, because of the shame barrier. Mm -hmm. And I really saw that. And I was like, okay, all right, that's enough. Th you know, that's enough. I might, there's still some fear on my body's trembling a little bit now, but it's not about shame. It's more about being seen, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I got to, I got to reflect what you said that um, it amazes me truly every day. That there's this many people I can come in contact with that are interested in digging in to their true nature, to going where most of us don't want to go, <laughs> even us don't want to go there, and but we're doing it. Uh, that I can interact with this many people who have, for whatever reason, the 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 interest and the heart to do this astounds me. Hmm. That's that's what I have to say. So, well, I'm so glad we're all here. Mm -hmm. Me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So what um, I've been talking with uh, Violet in, in her groups and stuff, and what came up in her group the other day was <clears throat> around the unknown. 
So that's where I'd like to explore. Yeah. Now. It's right here. It's um that's like my favorite topic. At least right now. Um we're we're literally walking right into the unknown every moment. And part of us absolutely knows this. And part of us is absolutely terrified of it. And actually this theme has been threaded throughout this these conversations in this last hour. Um, we construct an interface that part of us believes and part of us doesn't believe in it actually exists. And we put it up like this and we look through it as we navigate the world. And it has a lot of different names, this interface. It's called relationships. It's called my spiritual life. It's called my, everything I think about myself and know about myself, my coping mechanism. It's essentially coping mechanisms. But those cope, but the, the thing we don't want to see is that all of that, it's not actually doing anything at all. That's what we don't want to see. It's not actually doing anything. It's doing something to itself. It's, it's interacting with itself. It's like struggle, struggles against struggle. Uh, fear fears what it fears and it creates things to fear. You know, there's the, we know this, that we, we chase our tail in our mind and thoughts just go in circles. There's something, there's a lot of clues that this apparatus isn't working, but in one very real sense, it's quite binary. When you see it exquisitely clearly, you can't, it doesn't come back. You can't have it back. Now, I don't know where that is on your timeline or anyone's timeline listening, but part of us knows that. Part of us knows like, yeah, it's not real. I'm not controlling this. Um, the beauty of the, the, that we can actually engage this and get to that place where we finally actually drop that illusion that there is something out there opposed to something in here and they're interacting with one another and I can stand back and contemplate and have choice and control everything. Um, when that drops away, things look so different. Things look so different. Um, they feel different. Uh, but, but there's nowhere for anything to hide anymore. And a lot hides in this, the seeming background when that apparatus is operating. And we we seemingly put it up between ourselves and others, between ourselves and life circumstances. A lot of times it has to do with people, actually, because other people we we subtly communicate with one another that I need you to be someone and I need me to I need you to be someone for me and I I'll be someone for you so we can convince ourselves that we're real and that we're separate and all of it, right? But um, but the the tendency to keep doing this, the tendencies, the triggers to keep doing this are co almost constant. Uh, you just have to see through that world. It's, they only exist in that world. And the world is ultimately thought. It's not actually in the physical senses. You know, and this is why with non-dual realization, when you actually see, feel, hear what it is to see, hear, and feel without thought, not through the lens of thought. There can still be thoughts, but they're they're like another sense gate. That the, the when you when you experience reality that directly. There's nowhere for anything to hide anymore, and you can't really fool yourself very well. There can be habits and tendencies that will still be there for a while, 
but they they just they'll suffocate. They can't. They don't have anything to to keep themselves afloat with anymore. Um, and so then, then it's like okay, what you're confronted with when that apparatus stops functioning, and it can stop functioning for a while and come back and kind of come and go and come and go. And you have an awakening where it's like you see that it's an apparatus. You know it's not real. Sometimes you you still use it, and sometimes you put it aside, and sometimes it just goes completely away. Right. Um, what 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 the opportunity though? Or let me say not the opportunity yet, but the reality that you're confronted with is total mystery. There's something absolutely mysterious right in front of your face. <laughs> and there's no control. It's the unknown. In, 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 in reference to this whole apparatus, it's completely unknown and it's unknowable. And you're faced with it immediately. Now, you could say, well, what do you do then? Well, you don't do anything because the illusion of you is kind of just dissolved into it. Um, you could say, well, what do you do with it practically? I could say, well, practically, what your, what your opportunity is, is to look into the very fundamental question of, do I actually have to do anything about it anyways? Do I actually have to do anything about the fact that this is a complete mystery, that I have no control over it, that nothing's solid, nothing stays, everything goes, everything changes all the time, and there's no agent back here in control of that? That's the truth that we all know deep down inside somewhere. Now, what do I do? I need to do anything about it. Do I need to have an issue with it at all? Do I need to take a position in reference to it in the most fundamental way? No, you don't. And that leads to freedom. That leads to freedom. I could say liberation is ultimately liberation from the self, the illusory self-structure. Freedom is liberation from essentially delusion, the bulk of delusion. And the bulk of delusion is I need to do something about the way this is all happening. I'm going to fix it. <laughs> You're not, and you can't, <laughs> and you don't need to, you don't need to. And it's like, whoa, that's when the, the, this very, very, very fundamental reversal can happen. And instead of going against anything, it feel, all of a sudden everything is just going with everything else. There's no way to take a position in reference to anything and no need to. Things are just how they are and they're just perfectly okay the way they are. Um, and then nothing else needs to be said about it. We don't need to qualify anything. We don't need to judge anything. We don't need to take a position in reference to anything. And then you will see very clearly how, how this is. And what you see is not how something is. You see how it's not. And that's okay. And it's really quite a trip. It's quite paradoxical. And, um, you'd say it's enjoyable, but you can't hold that position because there's no way to hold a position anymore. So, um, it's natural, simple. Uh, that's the unknown. And you're in it. Yeah. Um, thank you. That was great. So a couple things. Um, this this first, it, it's beginning. It's I'm feeling like the, the hiding thing is the jig is up. Mm. It's beginning to be the jig is up. I, you know, I'm just being kind of like, no, you can't shame barrier. No, right through. Talk to Angelo, you know, what, whatever. Just get out there. Stop hiding. Sure. Yeah. Um, and you said. That's a bigger part of it than, than most people realize. I'll be honest with you. Especially, especially people who are more traditional Dharma people. Like, you know, this isn't for you necessarily. It's just for anyone listening. But people who really have this idea of a structured Dharma lineage and, and all the teachings and all that, that's all great and it has its value and it's powerful. But um, 
it can really underemphasize the importance of, of what you just said, which is stop hiding. Stop hiding anything from yourself. Stop hiding anything from anyone else. Um, and all of a sudden, whoa, like so much is revealed and it's ineffable. You can't talk about it even. It's so close, too close, too real, too intimate to talk about. But it's but it's an important release. It's an important willingness to surrender. Because without that, you know, you can you can add a lot of will to practice and to spirituality and construct an identity around that, and not even know you're doing it. And so, what you're pointing to, you're you're you feel very natural this way. It's great. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I've I've seen I've done this for a long time, <laughs> <laughs> and I I see it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. So okay. So here we go. So. And then there was something you said about like, um, the way it isn't or mm. what, what, what was that? I kind of missed that. Well, so there's, there's this thing that's um, uh, really nice, uh, like uh, a nice pointer. So this in deep stage realization, we, we might say that what you see through is that, that, there, that you see through inherent view, right? A view is a, you could say it's a, an opinion at one level, at the mind level. Um, at the perceptual level, it's a it's a it's a fundamental perceptual experience of self and other subject and object. That's what view really means. When you see that there is no inherent view, and there doesn't need to be, then then it's like, whoa, okay, there's no way I need to see things. There's no way things need to be. Then there's really no way things are. And that sounds like it's stated in the negative of what's not there. But it also has this very strange positive aspect of what sort of is there. But it's not it's not a thing. It's not fixed. It's not a view. It's not definable. But it's beyond the it's even beyond the bindings of there or not there, beyond the bindings of real and unreal, actually. But the only way to that is through this dissolving of that inherent view. But there's no way that things actually are. The mind is trying to say it's like this, it's like this, it's like this, right? That's the right view. That's the right path. That's the right practice. This is the right self experience. This is the right meditative practice. Whatever you know, you know, you know what I'm talking about. And you you confront that when you start to go really deep in experience. You start to feel that there's something trying to do that, something trying to make sense of everything all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but that that's just a, a tendency to form a view, and you could call it ultimately inherent view that that, 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 that that there is any view at all that makes sense that, that that can touch reality there isn't and you don't need it and then it feels like uh i don't even know what the deck lid endlessly shuffles itself um but you're fine it's okay it's like tango it's like jazz reality is jazz it just keeps going you're just along for the ride in a sense um yeah it's the it's the grasping trying to grasp mm-hmm. as we're free falling. Yeah. Yeah. And before even grasping, well, I'd say even before aversion, there's a view that gets formed and it's, it's even more fundamental to pushing and pulling and grasping and view and all that. I'm sorry, grasping and uh, judgment and all of that, because to do any of that, you have to s- sort of take a position. Where am I in relation to this moment in the most fundamental way, the mind puts together. And it actually does it with a reflection of the senses. It does it often with a visual experience. That's why the visual field is a very powerful place to practice 
Because if you really see what's there, if you commit to seeing what's actually there, you're not going to see solidity. You're not going to see distance. You're not going to see form. You're not going to see perception. There's no one seeing. There's only the scene. So the visual field is very a very powerful place to do this because I think the mind takes a literally a visual snapshot. Oh, this is three dimensions. That's something over there. That's over there. I'm over here. Okay, whew, now I know where I'm, I am. Now I can think about what I'm going to do, you know. And then the, the thoughts can catch on from there. But you can you can actually learn to discern the difference between the internal reflection of what's seemingly being seen and what's added to that, which is distance, objects, perception, yeah. like almost like reaching out and grabbing onto something and turning it into an object, or holding yourself back from it. The, all of those are so quickly processed by the mind that we don't realize we've bounced back into the mind. But you can just lean right out into the visual field as a meditative practice, let's say, and just don't come back. Stay out there. Notice how long it takes before the mind starts chattering or you start checking back in with what's happening or yourself or anything. That's a thought. Go back out there. Very simple. That's one way to do it. Because when you're out there, you're not going to see any view. There's no view there. There's no view because there's no position, no direction, no up or down, out, in, back, front. There's just that. Yeah, I, I get a, a like a little whiff perfume of it, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's easier than, how can I say this? It's, I think it's actually easier than most people think to do what I'm talking about with the visual field, but the pull back into conditioning is strong depending on, but that, that changes throughout the day too, though, and throughout your, your week and month. So if you, if you're consistent, you'll find times when it's much easier to do that. But, but the, what, what's not, it's not hard to be the, the non-dual experience is not hard because it's always there. What's hard is to see when, oh my God, I'm getting pulled back into thought. I'm thinking about everything, right? My life, my problems, my partner, my job, my boss, my, whatever we think about, um, seeing that, that's a strong pullback, but it's not what's actually happening. What's actually happening is out here. And so um, you can you can train it like a muscle. Uh -huh. You can practice that. And you can start to ask, is there a boundary here? Is there a self and other? Is there a dividing line between sense of subject and the world of objects? Yeah, so so actually thinking that we are having some control and having effects and all of that is just a, a game kind of. Yeah, it's like an afterthought. Mm -hmm. But I will caution anyone listening to just believing that can be unhelpful because I think it happens. And there's certain types of speaking about non-duality where it's yeah. non-doership is the only thing that's emphasized. And you can easily learn that and believe it. You can taste it. But you, you you think it, but to realize it, you don't have to think about it. It's very obvious. There's no doer. There's no agency. There's no there's nothing apart from anything else to act on anything else. There's not separation, distance, objects, and so forth. So from there, it's just obvious. Uh, and you see that agency control is really a bunch of afterthoughts. But that's important that you said that because of the, there's that spiritual bypassing stuff that goes on with. Um, mm -hmm. Neo Advaita is what it's termed, and and there, there's stuff that's going. I I 
well, I say, I have to feel, what I'm getting from you is feel it fully, mm -hmm. feel mm -hmm. it, sense it, feel it. Don't have to think about it. No. So, yeah. Yeah. You have to, it has to be a full on aha. Like you got to be really clear that this, oh, okay. I know what non-dual is. Mm -hmm. When people realize non-dual the, from the last 10, 15 people I can think of that like messaged me after it happened, it's not, it's not subtle. It's like, whoa, that didn't come like the sense of self apart and objects in the three-dimensional world didn't come back and it's not coming back and it doesn't need to. So, um, so yeah, just as, as long as you're really clear that like, what am I actually experiencing right now? Is it, am I experiencing something that feels like duality and subject and object experience? Or is it very clear that there's actually no solidity, no boundaries, no direction, no form, you know, yeah. and you'll still be able to see the mental images. You can still see thoughts. You can still be aware of thoughts, but they calm down a lot because they don't get your attention constantly. Okay. So unknown yeah eric you have anything to add about the unknown um i think you nailed the unknown <laughs> at least what i don't know about the unknown is similar to what the way you were describing it um i guess i would uh marcy what I, what i would say about your the your comment about it's the grasping and the thoughts and all that what i found was really helpful for me um, and this was something that a Angelo kind of made clear to me in our talks about surrender um, and then reading in his book about surrender and intention meeting surrender and how powerful that can be is that kind of like he was saying a way to work your your muscle uh, for getting that realization of non-duality another way to work your muscle for turning grasping into a willingness to surrender for me it was practicing yielding so like surrender wasn't something i thought i didn't know how to do it you know and then i realized from angelo that it's really not something you do it's something you're asked to do and if you have the willingness surrender will happen in that moment when the asking comes but what we can do in our daily life at times where we're grasping or we're where we feel the mind trying to make and fix and do is to yield and that's just to to yield to our nature to yield to that part of us that isn't thought that is maybe intuition maybe you sense it in a different part of your body for me it doesn't happen up here my like my when I'm thought identified, I'm up here. I'm a little thing inside, you know, but when I'm in touch with my nature uh, or my instinct, I'm down here. I'm in my gut. I, I can, it comes from a different place and it doesn't, it's not like even language. It's like symbols and it's different, right? And I think we all have some sense of that. We call it intuition or what have you. But when I yield to that, I, I exercise my surrender muscle so that at the times where surrender is what's asked of me, my intention along with that practice of yielding has made it uh, simpler and more obvious and less uh, contracted. 
So I guess I would just say maybe if you're if you want to start just addressing the grasping, address that with yielding. When you when you notice that you're grasping, what if you just yield to what is? Accept the way things are and go to your your nature or your intuition for a for a check-in. Uh, that's just what I do. Thank you. That's really helpful. Thank you. Thank uh, you for your question. Okay, let's go to our next hand. Um, uh, we have Becky. Hello, Becky. Hello. Welcome. How are, how are you? I'm <laughs> well, thank you. You? Good. Oh, I'm pretty good. Thanks. Good. Glad to be here. So I have, I'll give you the little backstory context, and then basically I have two questions that go with it. So one thing I've noticed for probably a few months is that I feel like there's some opportunities, things that come up as I'm falling asleep. Um, was mostly sensations, sort of like a very fierce sensation coming up my chest, and I would notice the mind would... So thoughts actually would arise like with it. It would be like, as soon as I notice the sensation, the thoughts would be scared or even excited, like thinking like, this is it, <laughs> like just talking nonsense. So um, so I've, I, I don't know, I've had that happen on and off for a while. And then recently, something that's kind of interesting is that um, I'll have images pop up in my visual, visual field with my eyes closed, getting ready to go to sleep. And they're different. Like I can see images as I know most people can, but they're they're different in the sense that it's not a feeling like, oh, I thought of an apple. It's like out of nowhere, an apple appears. And it's again, that feeling of like being scared, like that type of, again, that sensation that I assume is pretty common to fear. Um, and it just feels different. It feels like not me. It's like it happens spontaneously. Like it feels like something, I don't know, just just again, like separate, I guess. So I guess my questions were, if you, one, if you had any insight about those things kind of popping up, the feelings and the images. And the other question is, do you have any, I don't think I've ever heard you reference it, but um, would you have anything to say about practice or um, like utilizing that time when you fall asleep? Because it seems you mentioned alertness a lot. And of course, I feel like when I'm trying to fall asleep, I'm doing the opposite of alertness. So I've kind of thought, I don't know really how to work with this. Great question. Uh, I have a I have a short answer. And then Eric will probably have something to say because he, he works a lot of sleep as well. So um, to me, when I hear you talking about this, I feel excitement because <laughs> you, this is like a conduit. This is my just my my opinion, my perception based on what you're saying. This time for you, for whatever reason, is like a conduit. Something's opening there for sure. And so that that moment where consciousness and your conscious sense of self and remembering self as what you are turning off as you drop into what's called unconsciousness and then ultimately into deep sleep, which is no consciousness. Um, there, There's a lot of uh, space to work there. It's a very powerful place. It's a very powerful part of our psyche. Some people have more access than others um, at various times, but I can tell you when I first, when I had that first awakening, the first part of it, at least, um, it, I, I remember with, it was moo and I was carrying it off to sleep and I would just hold on to it, just moo 
just just as it is. No question, no nothing. I was just, I was merged with it. Carrying it off is just trying to carry it all the way off into sleep. If I could just take that with me as deep as I could possibly go until the last glimmer of consciousness disappeared. You can do that with anything. So I don't know what your question is. I don't know what your inquiry is. I don't know what your drive is, but it may be, I want to know my true nature. I want, I don't know what it is. You can sort that out. Like in the way I described in my book on the inquiry chapter, but, but this is a really good place for you to take any fundamental question. And it may even be something uh, a little bit of a aside from awakening. Like it could be an emotional question or something. Um, this is a really good opportunity to, to, to think about that question when you're awake and then use it and just get really merged with it and just take it all the way off into your unconscious. Um, that can be a really powerful, powerful practice, but, but I would say spend some time yeah. making sure it's the right question for you. Well, I'm la I'm la sorry. I'm laughing right now because one I like that I all say a lot and I've heard you say is it's what's, so I ask myself, what is right in front of my face? Right. So yeah. I'm frustrated by like, it's here. It's always here. Like what the fuck is right here? And, what is always and that, here? yes, what is always here? So I asked that during the day. I don't, me, I don't know. I don't make it a point to ask it at night, but then I'm just kind of laughing now that I've, that I have yeah. these images just popping in front of my face. So try, try this. Um, yeah. Ask the question throughout the day. What is this? You're, you can ask, what is this that's right in front of my face that I'm not seeing fully? And then, then change it to just, what is this? Because the, the, your, your subconscious knows the question now, and then just change it to what, and when you're carrying it off to sleep, the, the, what's behind it is what's here, whether I'm awake or asleep because I'm going to see it now and I'm going to see it when consciousness blips out, it's still there. So the question is what, and just get really merged with that question, that inquiry instinctually. It's like, you can feel it and try to take it all the way off as you carry yourself <laughs> off into sleep. That's my suggestion. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Eric will probably have some uh, stuff for you too. Um, that's actually really good. I, I guess the, the only thing I would add to that is that, uh, the the when we're awake is the dream of awake consciousness right and the when we're asleep is the dream of unconsciousness and at that moment where we're switching dreams it's almost like the operating system is loading a new program or it's a strange feeling right so it's kind of like you do have that that special time where um it's almost like you can peek behind the curtain mm -hmm. that that peeking isn't about for me anyway that this and i i've loved the same practice of consciously falling asleep and sort of chasing you know the chasing consciousness into sleep into unconsciousness and that uh, where i've seen the most um of what is is in that in the what's left after the dreams after under the dream there's a um there's something that isn't the contents of the dream or the contents of the day that is common to i think it's what angela was kind of talking about there's there's the thing that's common to them and that that's a great place to look Okay. Thank you. Yeah, good to know. I often remember I have like memories of my dreams pretty much most nights. And yeah, I'll look for that in between the two. <laughs> good question. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um, Thomas. 
Hi, Angelo and Eric. Hey. Great to be with you. Uh, Good Angelo, to see you I was again. listening to uh, the interview with, you did with Scott Britton, the tech entrepreneur. And um, one of the things that really jumped out at me was he mentioned the word source when he was talking about being an entrepreneur. I forget the exact context, but it was in a period where he was uncertain and um, he mentioned the word source and uh, you confirmed that. And I was um, surprised because when I hear the word source, I think of God and religion and divine. And I've spent time uh, in metaphys metaphysics and affirmative prayer. So, uh, my sense is that a, a piece of that is intuition, but the word source, I mean, it implies that there's some, some place or something beyond us or beyond my mind. So I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah. Um, so like when I'm talking, how can I say this? When I'm talking to someone and they're telling me about their life and their stories and all that. I, I also, I think you said I confirmed it, right? So I also confirmed that too. I just, I go, yes, uh -huh. yep. Because I can feel, I can go where they are. I can experience that with them. It doesn't mean it's real though. Well, I'm curious. So, so whatever, whatever, it, what anyone's level of understanding is and level of insight, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't confront it ever unless okay. they ask me to unless I'm working like one-on-one -on -one with somebody um, or I just know them well enough that I like we're ready to go to the next level. <laughs> um, I might start hinting at it. Um, okay. But if I, if I full on speak about reality in a very, very direct way, it's extremely triggering to every, almost everyone. So I don't do that. So what I do is I just navigate it with people where they are in the moment, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I mean, someone could say something in an interview that has insight for sure. It's had an awakening. Maybe they haven't had a non-dual, maybe they haven't had non-dual realization, but I don't need to like point that out necessarily or whatever, if that makes sense. This, there is definitely deeper stages to realization and things change a lot as you get deeper, let's say. Um, even that tech, even that, that kind of verbiage doesn't make sense to say you go deeper or anything like that. It's just a conventional way of speaking, but things get very, very different at deep stages of realization. Um, but I don't really point that out to people. I certainly wouldn't in an interview and I, and I wouldn't directly push somebody unless I really feel they're ready for it and sort of asking for it, if that makes sense. Okay. So I try to work with people where they are. Well, I don't um, remember you I haven't heard you using that word too much, source. I wouldn't use that word. Um, Are you asking me my experience? Yeah. There's no source. I mean, There's no source. There's no actually existing source. There's no actually existing realization. There's no actually existing person. There's no actually existing state of enlightenment. There's no actually existing dharmakaya. There's no actually existing ignorance. There's no actually existing need to awaken. There's no actually existing awakening state. So there's not much to say. 
in that it's sense. It's continuously evolving, <laughs> shifting. Sure, manner. you could say that. Okay. But there's no it. There's nothing evolving. There's no point of reference by which something can be judged to be evolving. Okay. And there's no ref there's also no need to refute evolution or the relative world either. Right. There's no there's no absence of a relative world. Okay. Kind of comes down to the Heart Sutra at some point. <laughs> yeah. No ignorance or end of it or all that comes of ignorance, no withering, no death, no end of them, nor is there pain or cause of pain or cease in pain or noble path to lead from pain, not even wisdom to attain. Attainment too is emptiness. All right. Thanks. For is that power. beautiful? You got that. Eric? <laughs> I love it when you say the heart sutra. Um, no, I don't have anything to add to that. Good question. All right, we're to Judy. Hey, um, I have had a uh, long time ago, long, long time ago. Um, Who's your friend hey. there? We want to meet your uh, friend. This oh my is God. me. <laughs> so cute <laughs> she's a good she's a good little girl she's got a big brother who's Aww. uh almost black <laughs> so the two of them are kind of odd together but they're very cool dogs very sweet um, thank you um what i want to say oh so many 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 years ago i had a kundalini awakening and uh, for months had no idea what was going on and um so eventually I kind of got my bearings again and, and some parts of me came back and some parts didn't and all that jazz. And it was eventually, it was just fine. And time went by and I didn't really pay that much attention to it. So recently I decided that I wanted to mm, start at the beginning because I started at the end where like it was all black, according to me, it was just blackness. And um, so I guess the recorder was not working. <laughs> so, um, and, and okay, so I decided I wanted to start from the beginning and see what non-duality is like, like to begin and go in. So I've been having experiences lately of obviously non-duality, um, but I don't know if I'm like doing beginner's non-duality or am I doing... I don't know, stepping back because there's some parts of it that feels like I'm way out there again. So I want to know what non-duality is like for beginners. <laughs> I love this question. I don't even know. I don't even know if I understand what you're asking, but I, I definitely know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, you know, my inclination is to tell you like, you have to trust your instinct utterly. Yeah. Yeah. And is you and is there any part of you apart that's apart from the sounds from the visual experience right now? Oh yes, right now it's it's definitely a part. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. So it comes and goes. Yes. Oh, that's, okay. That's the question. Oh yeah. Well, non-duality the realization of non-duality is when it doesn't come and go anymore. 
Okay, got it. Yeah. And and it's it may be very easy for you actually to to clarify that it, it through specific practices. Um <clears throat> so like if you're looking out at you're looking out at me or you're looking at the the screen, right? You could say there's a person on the screen talking, and then to the sides there's whatever's on the side of your screen, and then there's the walls over here. And right, you could sort of see that in the central part of my vision, there seems like there's an object that I'm interested in paying attention to. But if I move your attention to the periphery without turning your eyes, you become a little bit more aware that there's something out there that's kind of not an object, right? It's like a visual raw experience. What you can do is like notice as you scan your attention inwardly, where does it become an object if anywhere and why? And you can practice that way. You can also practice it back toward what feels like the subject watching the object, which is the visual experience. Where's that dividing line? In the visual experience itself, you have to watch the experience, see, is there a dividing line there? If you think about it, your mind will go into like non-duality talk. That's not the point. The point is to actually go, oh, can I actually come backward towards something in the visual experience? In the visual experience, do I get somewhere when I go toward me, toward the subject of pole? Do I go anywhere? Where can you go? There's nowhere to go. So there's no subject right? But you have to keep looking there until it's very obvious and it, it can shift and not reverse. Like, whoa, there's the, the collapse just goes complete. And you're like, what the hell? Okay. There's, there's no distance anymore. Like I can still see objects that are apparently appearing, but there's literally no distance. There's, it's like flat or, um, or it might just feel like it's self, a uh, uh, self responsive visual experience or something there. The words aren't good for this, but Sometimes it's like it's flat and I can't tell yeah. here, there, whatever. And then there's this other thing about it that sometimes the um, the self gets so small that it's kind of like only like maybe a point of awareness. Yeah. And at that time, it's not flat this way. It gets kind of flat this way. Yeah. And there'll be an impulse and then manifestation, it dissolves next, whatever. And you know, yeah. it just goes on like that. So it's these, they're very, those kind of experiences are different. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think I'm still a little bit afraid of like going all the way to yeah. the other end. There's always gonna be a little bit of, yeah, there's always gonna be a little bit of fear, but the fear doesn't stop it from happening really either. Um, yeah, it's fine. It it turns out fine. It's it's a it's it can be a pretty surprising shift sometimes. Sometimes it's like kind of expected it because you're you're experiencing it now. What the first thing you described is like the the shallow end of the pool with non-duality where things seem flat, like there's no subject or object. The the second thing you described is more like formlessness, where it's almost it's kind of like mystical, right? It's kind of like I don't know how to say it. And Things are like in two places at once or in every place at once, or there's just no places, but there's no form. There's no form to anything. Uh, like things are free floating. Like you're like the experience is free floating and experiencing itself. There's no one in it. A little bit more like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, yeah. So you're, yeah. you're just kind of flipping in and out of it, which is fine. Um, what you can do is actually get curious. Well, what actually changes between when it feels like now, where it feels like, no, there's an out there and there's a me in here. What changes between that and when all of a sudden there is no sense of inside outside? What actually just changed? And see if you can find it. Now you already know you're not going to. That's not the point. The point is to look 
and see what in, what is being referenced that makes it seem like suddenly there's distance and suddenly there's not distance and suddenly there's no form at all. That that can be helpful as well because you have the temporal comparison. Great. Cool. Thank you. Fun, yeah, it's fun stuff. And that bit of fear back there is totally normal. Yeah. Eric? Uh, I would just add that that's kind of the same, what it feels like for me now. I'm in it, I'm out of it, I'm in it, I'm out of it. And it uh, it also has, especially since the retreat, been a, a sense of like, it. there's nothing to do about that. Mm -hmm. that that isn't something I need to like fix or find or like get there. So I stay there or that it's just, it's, it is what it is, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and is, is that, I guess, okay. So now this is my question. Is that, that is. So, I agree. Okay. Yeah. It, it is cool. a, is a natural automatic process actually. And it, and it always has been actually, even when it felt like there was a lot of pushing and doership and struggling to awaken, um, it's always been a natural process. So the, there, there's a switch over that happens kind of slowly over this whole process where it starts out feeling like, no, I definitely feel like I'm deciding whether I practice or not, or what I do. And, and then it, now it gets to this place that you're describing where it's like, you know, what is even an intention? What is an intention? What is a, what is a choice? That thought can say, I should do this. Well, that's a thought. So that's not an intention or a choice. You know, um, what I would say is it, it starts to feel more like a, just an enjoyable exploration out of curiosity. Just like when you're taking a walk and you see a beautiful purple flower you haven't seen before, you and Bodhi walk right over to that. It's just natural. This feels, it can feel like that. And at other times it just feels like a totally natural unwinding. So there's a, there's, it kind of goes like this for a while where it's like, yeah, sometimes it feels like a bit of intention there, but the intention is, is one from a place of relaxation willingness and just genuine curiosity and yielding and other times it's just automatic so that's that's how it is yeah i think cool. yeah cool. cool awesome thank you thank you great question nice to meet your puppy dog yeah <laughs> super cool all right uh gagan or i think i'll say gagan and then you can tell me if i got it wrong can you hear me uh, yes, I do. Yeah. Um, so, Angelo, uh, uh, very namaste, uh, and uh, I would like to uh, pay my respect and gratitude to you. Uh, I've learned a lot from you over the past few months. Um, I just want to share my story. Is it okay? You guys yes. have time or? Yeah, we have two. We have two people after you, and we have about forty-five minutes. So, yeah, just if you can keep it shortish, but please feel free to share. Yeah, I have not shared these stories, uh, my story with an enlightened being before. So I, this is my opportunity. I just want to, uh, you know, not let go of this opportunity. So uh, my journey with uh, spirituality started in 1998. Um, and uh, something happened. I was going through suffering at that time, physical, uh, uh, little physical problems. And then suddenly I got into spirituality and I started having a lot of uh, weird experiences like Kundalini Jagran. Um, and uh, I started doing walking meditation because I was reading Osho at that time. And in walking meditation, I was just watching my body all the time and doing a lot of awareness exercises. So that went on for, for a few years. And then in 2005, 
I uh, got a book by Ramesh Balsekar, Consciousness Speaks. And I read that book and suddenly that, that book, you know, something inside me uh, was, you know, uh, felt that this is it. This is what I was looking for all the time. And then from Ramesh Balsekar, I started reading the Sarvata Maharaj. I, I came to know about that. Um, and um, so what happened after that was that uh, one day, 2007, April, after the birth of my second daughter, I was uh, sitting in the bathtub and I was reading a book of, of Maharaj uh, about seeds of consciousness. And then suddenly, it was like a Eureka moment happened. And suddenly I felt something in the center of my head, like a, somebody hit with a, like a hammer. Mm. And, and suddenly I told myself, what I was looking for is life itself. I am life itself. And so I come out of my of bathroom and look at my brother-in-law. I saw myself in him. Mm. Like I saw everywhere I saw it was me everywhere. Like in the stars, sky, everywhere it was me only. Um, so, and that experience, I don't have much recollection. I have to always go and ask my brother-in-law because he remembers more than me. Mm. Because for me, it was only bits and pieces I remember now I can just put together. Anyway, so uh, I remember after that second day, I remember when I went, went back to work, while I was walking back to work, suddenly I felt that mind was coming back. Mm. The conditioning was coming back and I was back in my regular self. Uh, the identity was never went away. I always, identity was still intact. How long did that take? Uh, next day, like uh, 20, yeah. 24 hours, maybe 12 okay. hours, 18 hours. And the next morning, I was back, but I felt uncomfortable the whole day. Mm. But, but that was that that feeling. That thing never came back. The of extensive extensive consciousness that I am everywhere, because okay. whomever I looked to, I it was me everywhere. Stars, people, everywhere. Yeah. It was me yeah. only. So that that experience left, and I didn't know what happened to me, and I just forgot. So in two thousand nine, I came to know that that this was something awakening or from somebody, I, I didn't even know this happened to me. Hmm. So I started uh, doing more walking uh, exercises, meditation, reading books, lots of books I read, Guy Finlay, Gordon Howard, um, and then did a lot of uh, awareness exercises. I've been doing that. But then I had a lot of health problems. Things just got delayed. I had, you know, I'm working full time. Uh, but still, the 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 thread was there that I was always working on myself on awareness exercises, be it walking meditation, be a witness. Sometimes I would say I'm witness in the, in the, on the hill, then I'm watching myself walking. I went to Vipassana camps. I did two of Vipassana camps um, uh, with Koenkaji. Uh, I went to in Jessup, Georgia and one in Texas. Mm. Anyways, so uh, this has been going on for a while now. And so, uh, so right now, I have never been able to stabilize myself in that experience of self, what Ramana Maharishi says, or the consciousness, the absolute. Uh, it comes and goes. It, uh, in 2016, I had a, pe a period of time where I felt that a, uh, some other consciousness was always in the back of my body, like something else was there. Where I was walking, I felt something was like, like a shadow in your back. Yeah. Um, I, I felt that that was also, I think, for a month or so, and then it just went away. 
So things never stabilized the way I was. I think probably now listening to you and uh, I found out that it was more, I was avoiding the shadow work. Probably it was my parts of my trauma from my, from my childhood. And, uh, you know, so my personality issues that probably I was, I was like not being authentic to myself. Mm -hmm. I was like putting up a lot of uh, uh, pretense. And so I, then, so listening to you, I was able to, uh, for a few days ago, I noticed that my feeling was that when we have a trauma, we keep the pain in our body, yes. mainly in the, in the heart center, in the, in the chest. Yeah. So in meditation, what I was doing was I was, I was hyperventilating to, to not to experience the, the pain in the chest, like the palpitations and the pain. So I was trying to hyperventilate to, to, to escape that. Or sometimes mm -hmm. just think, as you say, sometimes we think about something and we escape that to uh, avoid experiencing that pain in yeah. your heart. So, but then uh, I, I said, I'm going to face it now because this is going on forever and I'm not going anywhere. So I went directly into the sensation. And after that, one, just one day experience, I found that that one day I was, uh, one night I was, I was sleeping, about to sleep, and I felt as if, as if the snow has melted in my mm. chest, and something dropped. Mm. And in the morning I went woke up, the thought was not causing that pain anymore. So that the sensation was not that discomforting. I'm talking to you also, but I'm not. I'm just having a tinge of that feeling here talking to you. Otherwise, before that I was having public speaking. Uh, fear all the time. I could not speak with people. I was always having that constricting feeling in your chest and, and not, not able to express yourself. But that's not anymore because it's just a tinge. It's still there. But mm -hmm. just a, it comes and goes like a tinge. It doesn't affect me anymore. That thing has helped me a lot. So I think that that this is more embodiment my, of my own personality, of my own, of my own trauma, of my own acceptance. That is helping me a lot. Uh, so what the, my question right now is that for past few days, what I've noticed is that it's very easy for me to just dismantle my identity mm -hmm. and it just shift from here, as Eric was saying, something in the belly or in my back. So I would just be nowhere suddenly. Um, so like, like I was doing one of the, I was listening to your videos in which you say stop, which means that accept everything as it is right now you know, what is happening outside and inside. If you are having resistance, accept the resistance. If you're having sensations, uh, difficult sensations, accept. If you're having reactions to certain things, So the moment I do those, I suddenly get in neutral space. In that neutral space, I, the, there is no hard self in body. I'm, I localize self in the head. I'm, like in a diffuse state, but that also causes fear as if I'm losing something or if, if I, am I doing right? Am, am, is it okay to be in this state? Because yeah, yeah. the more I stay in that state, I feel that that sensation in the returning, but I'm able to watch that too. But I, I want to ask, is it okay to be in that state where I, I feel that I am nowhere? Like yeah. body is still working. I'm talking to you. Like right now I'm talking to you and I'm still experiencing it right now. Yeah. So it's like, where am I? Where am I? So, so there is no I there. I'm talking to you, but that discomforting feeling is always there. You know when I do that. So I just wanted to ask you, what to do in that? Am I going crazy? Is is it normal? Uh, so, yeah. 
where my question is to you. That's great. No, you, I think you're in a really good place, actually. Very towards the beginning of what you were describing, um, early on in your in your practice, I was gonna I was thinking to say to you what you were thinking about before the the sense that the strong sense of I, that's not the I am sense. This is the I am sense. Well, I'm almost certain of what Ramana meant when he said I am sense is, is what you're talking about now. It's not a thought and it's not a it's not a centered sense. It's it's a it's a very, very um bare sense of experiencing. And it's not a particularly personal thing at all. Uh so that's what I think actually is what 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 opened up. And that's great. Um and as Nisagardata said, you can just rest in that. Um and you will everything will come. Everything that needs to be experienced will come there. So fear needs to be experienced. It'll come. It won't last forever. It won't last forever. It's okay that it's there. Um, and you also, the, the really overarching thing I want to tell you is you don't need to make conclusions about this at all. You, 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 you know, now you have direct access. You have direct access. This is not your thoughts and you know it. There could be thoughts, but you know this isn't your thoughts. There can be emotions, but you know this isn't your emotions. You have direct access. Just keep going back there. That's all I want you to do. Just like Nisargada said, his his teacher told him, rest in that I am sense. And in three years, I was liberated, whatever, you know, that that's what I would instruct you is just like that, that has opened for you now. Trust it. So is it like I'm supposed to stay in that sense as long as possible? Like don't, don't strain to do it. Don't force anything. Be, just become more and more curious with it. Curious. Just let it, let yourself steep in it until it starts to feel very stabilized. And then you may start to pick it up in the sense fields. Like the sound may all of a sudden feel exactly like that, like very much like that, like very intimate um, in a non-dualistic way. So, but don't worry about it. You don't have to make that happen. It, it'll happen naturally. Um, but it, but mostly I want to tell you, you, you can trust this because that sounds like that's your question. Yes, yes. It's all very right. simple. It gets simpler and simpler. Don't overcomplicate any of this. Yeah, you've done a lot of work and that's work's paying off, especially the shadow work. So good, good for you for picking that up. Because people can overlook that for a long time. <laughs> yeah, that's what I did. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, let's go to one more person and we'll have uh, Eric answer one as well. <clears throat> Susan. Hey. Hi. Hi, how are you? Well, I'm doing well. How are you? I've been um, experimenting with the visual field, and I, I feel non-duality. I, I feel it coming closer, and that it's what I mostly feel about it is that it's my backyard looks way better than it used to. It's it's it's, it's beautiful, and but I feel like underneath it. It's the reason I can't see it is because I'm not good enough to see it. I just feelings of unworthiness. I'm sitting here looking at your green screen background and, and my first move was like, well, I've got a joke about that. I think I've inadvertently worn a green screen. I just like if I don't do something exciting and whatever, <laughs> that I'm not worthy enough for your recognition or any of it so i just uh i don't know if it's something to step past or just something i 
needed to put out. Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe that's it, you know, and and that tendency to hide behind whatever we're good at, whether it's being funny or whether it's being charismatic or interesting, but there's something with the self-worth stuff that shame that wants to like hide and, and it's you know, it's, there's no there's nothing to hide actually. What you're what you're seeing with non-dual clarity is you're seeing there is literally nothing to hide. There's no thing to hide. There's no one that can be hidden. There's nothing that can be hidden. There's nowhere to hide it. And that, but actually, and as wonderful as that sounds, and you can directly experience it, anything that feels like it's been hidden or any tendency to hide will become very, very illuminated. And it'll feel like, whoa, like what in the heck is this? So for anyone who's listening to this, it's very interesting that this stuff keeps coming up like person after person, but <laughs> listening to this, it sounds, it sounds very different the non-dual clarity that we're talking about and the intimacy of that and personal shame. They seem like in their two different worlds, but they're not because what those boundaries do, one of the major things they do, those apparent boundaries is they, they give us a place that feels like my internal experience where I can hide everything, right? Where I can go back and regroup, where I can think about what I'm going to do next. That's going away. You see, and you see it, you feel that it's not really there. And it's not really there. It's never been there. And all of a sudden, anything that feels like shame or like fear, these these really primal experiences can just come right into consciousness because there's nowhere to apparently hide them from ourselves anymore. So what you're experiencing is totally normal. It's totally normal right here. Um, how how much time you need to investigate and directly feel into the any shame or unworthiness and all that 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 you have to use your intuition on that because you certainly don't need to make a project of it to the degree where you're going to just endlessly explore it and talk about it and all that, because that just becomes a distraction. Um, but it needs to be felt and it's, it's important to really allow the feelings to come through and, and to let the body experience it. And at the same time, the more you explore in that visual field, you, you're going to come into these spaces where you realize like none of this is even happening. It's so it's very paradoxical. So Trust your intuition on which space to work in, and you can go back and forth, of course. Um, but definitely give some acknowledgement to those feelings. And you can do a deep exploration like Lubaina and I did before. You may not have to do that. You may already really have confronted that part of things. And yet there's the, these remnants of fear, shame. They hide out, and people are sometimes very surprised when they start experiencing non-dual realization that you're like, oh, my God, there's like a primal terror here. If I merge into everything, there's nothing left. There's nowhere to hide anything anymore. And that's, that can be really scary. So those feelings are going to come up, but I think you're in a good place. Thanks. Yeah. I, I felt, I don't know. I, I felt like I've confronted a lot of, you know, personal, whatever. I'm guessing you have. Yeah. 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 I mean, I didn't come here young. <laughs> yeah. And so. and where in you're, you're exploring in direct experience now where the personal meets the impersonal, like you're going to, you're finding it like in your vis physical, visceral and visual experience, where does the personal meet the impersonal and what happens when they come into contact with each other? Is it like matter and antimatter? They just obliterate. Maybe you can hold both at the same time without boundaries. It's not one or the other anymore. Yeah. It feels like I, I like this part of me isn't here. It's almost, yeah. 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 No container. So then, you know, everything has to be fully allowed. <laughs> yeah. 
you're in a good place. Thank really you. Really nice to see you. Yeah. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for your question. Okay, I think we could do the last two real quick. Not real quick, but quickish. Uh, Karuna. Okay, I'm unmuted. Hi, I'm Karuna. Hello. I'm in England. Yeah, hi. Can you hear me? Yep. Yeah, great. Okay, um, yeah. Um, so I use the pointer, uh, what is what is here? Um, so I go walking every day and I check that I'm re regulated. I check that um, I'm present and um, welcoming my experience. And then when I'm walking, then I ask, what is here? And um, so for the last kind of long time, I've noticed that there's no there's no story in anything. There's no there's no story in what is here. There's no story in what is seen. There's no story in what is heard. There's no story in what is uh, touched. So, yeah, just I guess I just want I don't know. Um, so I guess that's moving towards the I am sense of just having the courage to rest in this kind of there's no story in what is and um there's no story in what is here there's no thought in what is here um and uh, but but the mind identification is dominant it it carries on eric you want you want to address that yeah yeah um I it's Karuna, it sounds like the story is that there is no story, right? So that, that for me, story has always been one of the most interesting parts of this whole thing uh, about not, not just awakening, but about life in general. Uh, I grew up very just fascinated with stories and going into stories to kind of hide, you know, to, to because my, my own identity was so needed to be hidden when I was a kid. Um, but that what you talk about about stories, I think that stories are what I found is stories held lightly are a story in its fullness in its in, in, the paradox of Angelo talks a lot about paradoxes and I believe that story every story is a paradox because it is there. It is what we are using to communicate. It is happening where our thoughts happen. Our thoughts make stories um, when we string them together. But that there is an element of holding that story lightly and, and realizing that the story doesn't define us or the moment or the situation. So kind of, I've found that not like, not no need to deny the story, but no need to attach to the story, just to let the story be. And it sounds like for you right now, the story is, okay, there's no story, but that that might be somewhat upsetting or what, what is your, what's your experience of that? No, I, I, maybe I didn't express myself. So yeah, I'm very excited that actually all my life I've been identified with thoughts and the story. And then I notice when I actually check my actual experience, that story is not there. It's not actually there. In what is actually here, there is no story. And uh, so there's a liberation in that. Mm. Uh, there's not, it's not a problem. And I'm just asking about, do I just rest in that? And just because it, it's quite, um, 
it's so normal it's just so like it's like looking at you and that there doesn't need to be any story I can just look at you without any thought there and that's like that's so different to how everyone lives and how I've lived and it just feels like that's a liberation there and I want like to but it, I, I would love to find how, how to surrender into that and live oh, in that yeah. as, a, as, a, as a dominance as rather than the mind identification which creates all the suffering yeah yeah well th that is different i'm sorry i didn't i didn't really understand your sorry I, I was too brief probably no no it's okay it's okay yeah, yeah. um my personal experience of that is that that there's you're you're right at the edge of uh, of surrender you know what, what worked for me there when my story started falling apart and i was like things were just i didn't really know what was happening and i would have glimpses that would like last for a day where i would i would lose a sense of the story i would lose a sense of me as a conceptual self but it would come back what worked for me at that time was uh to 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 do inquiry and to and, and I did it with a with just alternating between uh, inquiry. I just picked a question that worked for me, which was, "Who am I?" And my question is, my question is, um, uh, "What is here?" That's the uh, "Who yeah. am I?" doesn't really work for me. Perfect. But, but what is, is here? That that's that, that's the one I use, and I'm just yeah. going to carry on with that. But I'm it's my first time here today, and I'm just really pleased to meet you. You've got everyone actually, and um, especially the theme around shame as well, and that. And this idea that we we don't actually want, actually we got this idea we want to wake up and all that, but actually we don't. And that there's that, um, yeah, it's um, yes, there was that was really really good today. Yeah, it's I, been really I, I think I, Angela might have something else to add to this, but my thing would be you're in such a great place right now, and that for me when when I was there having that for those first kind of like falling into the story falling away but then it coming back and it feels felt very wishy-washy like um that what that was when i dove into i reread angela's chapter on uh um what i just said <laughs> words um what i reread angela's chapter on inquiry and inquiry inquiry and I, I went deep into that with a with the the willingness to surrender and I would do it alternating between inquiry practice and natural meditation sort of letting the natural meditation be the time that was the surrender devoted time and the inquiry be the time that was the intention devoted time and for me that worked I don't know if it will work for you but um yeah, and I'm sure Angela has something to add to that. All right, thanks, thanks, Eric. Yeah, I, I, I agree with Eric. The, the thing I would say is, I would say what he's saying, I'm just going to say it my way. And that is, it's, it's critical to realize what you've realized. And that is, I am not my story. I am not my thoughts, is what you really realized. I'm not any of those thoughts that have been here for all those years that I've been struggling with, reacting to, and believing. Holy shit, none of that is what I am, right? That's really important. That's a very important insight. And sometimes that like leads immediately to an awakening and a shift and all that. It may or may not have for you. I don't know. Um, my, my sense is it can go deeper. The, the experience you're, you, you, can, you can find very easily by reminding yourself 
that I'm not my thoughts. I might call that non-conceptuality and that's a very important realization. But um, but then it kind of begs the question, well, what is this then? What is this then? Right? What, do, what was your question? Where am I? <laughs> what, what is here? What is this? What is here? Yeah, that's it. What is this? Um, and then, and that question has already been ingrained in your subconscious, I'm sure by now in your psyche. Yeah. So you don't have yeah. to sit there and pound on yourself with the question, but just keep going and, and just go right into it until there's, there's nothing left, like nothing, not even, not even marveling anymore at the fact that I am not my thoughts or my stories. This can go deeper, I think, but it doesn't, you're not going to force that to happen. I just think if you, you could, I think you can just concentrate yourself into it more or you can absorb yourself into it more. And, and how you do it can be different ways. What Eric said worked really well. And I think that's a great recipe, actually. Um, it may just be a matter of like really getting more and more curious. Well, what the hell is here then? Really, what is here then if none of that stuff is what I am? And in letting the, the direct experience of what is here overtake, let it just okay. deepen and deepen and it will. That's, that's okay. about it. But you're in a good place. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so cool. much. All right. I think we're going to shut it down. I have to go to an appointment with a bunch of people on a barbecue. So um, thank you, everyone. Uh, sorry if I didn't get to one or two people, um, but I really appreciate all your support. And thank you very much for your honesty, your vulnerability, your wonderful questions. This was awesome. One of the best we've had for sure. Really, really good. Um, so thank you all.